it's your turn. Uh, Carmudgeon Show. Yeah. Haggerty Podcast Network. Uh-huh. Jason Camisa. Mm-hmm. Derek Tam hyphen Scott. Mm-hmm. Episode number 90. <laughs> Um, Getting close to the P episode, which we are definitely not ready like to there, do. Uh, there's like the most upvoted comment of every episode of the last ten is about the P episode coming for 100, which is hilarious because you still haven't started reading that book. It's not that I didn't start. I still I mean, have like not made any progress in the in the last Dude. right. Maybe um, you need to choose a, a non uh, autobiographical, but also in German book about him. Oh, for fuck's sake! Whatever. I don't have time for this. Um, but we do have time to talk about. Concorso d'Eleganza Villa d'Este. Yes. Uh, which is... In Italy? And you attended so. it? I did. I'm very, very jet-lagged. Um, it is, I'm going to say this in very controversial... Ver, con, controversial? That's the way. That's the one. Uh, terms. Um, the best car show in the world ever. Okay. Even in the rain. Even in the rain. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also spend some time shitting roundly, um, as opposed to squarely, on the BMW XM... You shit on it. I no, we shit on it. Um, yeah, I, I don't get it. <laughs> Me. Um, what else did we talk about? We talked about what we talked about is the coolest friggin' cars at that car show. Mostly, mm-hmm. I think. Um, EV converted BMW two thousand two. EVs. EVs is a good subject. You know what? Why don't, why don't you go play that? Dee, 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 and I'm gonna go rewatch your Remots Navera video. Oh yes, uh, that's live now. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, we'll put a link to that in the description because I'm just gonna watch that. You can clap. Oh, okay. That was a good one. Maybe the best ever. <laughs> wow, we even got acknowledgement from Paolo. Jason looks deeply unamused. This video is great. <laughs> video is really good. So good morning, good evening, whatever the fuck time it is for you. So last week, it was actually good next day because we were a day late posting the episode. Oh, yes. Uh, naughty, sorry. naughty. Yeah, um, I was traveling and it was crazy. I was at <clears throat> Concorso de la Ganza Villa d'Esta. Este. Villa d'Este. What did I say? Esta. No matter. All right, no, we're going to start this it? over again. I'm so jet lagged. This nine, here's the thing is for all of you people who are on the East Coast who ever go to Europe, f- six hours, you're like, oh, it's six hours. It's a little bit of jet lag. You come from the West Coast to Europe and it's nine and you're like, oh, it's only 50% more time zones, but 250 times the amount of jet lag. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's a treat. Now I know why in that episode <laughs> where you were jet lagged when uh, Sam was here, you were just like. Yeah, because I had gotten back the day before, yeah, this is crazy. <laughs> the night before. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm still on the waking up at uh, sort of five in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's like a, if you're lucky, you you pick wake up an hour later every day. Yeah, until you reach something normal. Yeah, right. So like nine a.m. You'll soon be there. I will soon be there, but until then, I'm uh, I'm happy to use the time release melatonin. That was mm-hmm. my trick. So it just it knocks you completely. You take the pill and you're like, there's no, there's no way. And yeah, that's the next morning. And then every it like every half hour, I think it releases another tab because you wake up and you're like, I think I'm out. I yeah. think, I think I'm done. Just like hitting you on the head with a brick. It's wonderful. And you wake up and you don't know where the fuck you are. I woke up this morning and I'm like genuinely down 40 or 50 points in IQ. And I don't have that much to, to spare. spare. Um, yeah. Uh, but it was a hell of a trip because um, this day is amazing. Yeah. Is Even it? in the rain. I've not been actually. 
Okay. It's been on my list, but I just haven't gotten around to it. Uh, you need to prioritize it. And I hate to tell you what you need to do, but you fucking need it to just do just car shows, you know, walking around. It's... Yes, you need to. You want to see them in motion, which you get. There. You get to do a couple times. Okay, so let's talk about. I think this is a great episode, given that I was just there, so we can talk about the show. But I want to talk about why these concor um, are actually important for people who don't necessarily love the cars that are in them. Right. So there's, there. Are, correct me if I'm wrong. I see it this way: there are three biggies, three big car shows um, in the U.S. There is Pebble Beach uh, and the Amelia previously known as Amelia Island Concorde Elegance, uh, and in Europe, Villa d'Esta. You look very there's, there's a lot of, the, I mean, yeah, sure. The, I mean, Villa d'Esta for sure, and Pebble Beach for sure. I think, I don't know if Amelia is quite on that level, but those are probably the two most important ones in the world. Okay, so I, I, I yeah, Amelia is nice. And what I liked about Amelia is it all happens at one hotel, and there's one event, and that's it. And yeah. until the Radwood guys. Uh, yeah, and the auctions. And the auctions ruined it all. But um, but it's self-contained. Let's start by talking about Monterey Car Week for a second. Because it is, I know we've said this before on the podcast, it's nuts. Yeah, it's truly overwhelming. It's too much. My favorite thing about it, though, is that because of the spread of all the events and everything, if you just start driving around, you just see all this stuff on the road that you would never see being operated. And someone's like filled it with luggage and it's covered in dust because someone parked it in a trailer or in a, a parking lot that was formerly for horse trailers. Right. Hey. And so it's covered in dust. And you're just like, it's so cool to get these to see these cars. A 288 used. GTO covered in dirt sitting in yeah. a parking lot. Yeah. yeah. And then on. people just park them there and mm -hmm. walk away just like it's a regular old car. The, the thing that I love about Monterey Car Week is I never even think about parking. Like, you know, my normal routine, my old cars don't get parked on the street, don't get parked in parking lots. I don't want door dings. I don't want, like, just a little fender bender is, well, total half of these cars. Um, I don't think about it Monterey Car Week. because Things happen. You see a whole bunch of cars yeah, yeah. getting smacked around. But, you know, you kind of don't have to worry about the inattentive boob in the, you know, in the SUV smacking into your car because the car next to you is a 250 Testarossa and it's they're worth a lot more than your cars. Um, so I love what I love about Monterey is you have a whole week of activities and every day there are two, three, four, five, ten different things you could be doing and everyone is going from one event to the other. So just driving on the streets is the most amazing car show you've ever seen. Yes. Um, the parking lot, what the hell is that shitty restaurant that's next to, uh, Concord of Lemons that we went to last year? Um, Oh, is it Black the Bear Black Diner? Bear Diner. Yeah. <laughs> like you just, the, the parking lot at the Black Bear Shit and Diner is the most amazing car show you've ever seen. Yep. By the by the time the actual concourse happens, so all the events kick off now on Tuesday-ish. It's like Tuesday evening, every day there's different car shows. There's Concorso Italiano, which is all the Italian cars. Then there's Legends of the Autobahn, which is the German stuff without Porsche because Porsche has its own works. Um what are some historic, of the racing the historic racing events. There's the little car show, which is all small cars. Mm -hmm. There's there. the one in Pacific Grove, the, uh, kickoff, the, the kickoff the event. There used to be the, the Tuesday one that's gone now. Concord on the Avenue. Yeah. There were tons of car shows. And then, of course, at the racetrack, it's literal nonstop action all day. Um, by the time Sunday comes around for the, for the actual Concord Elegance, I don't care about anything anymore. I don't want to see a human being. I certainly don't want to see any more cars. And I want to go home. Um, and the, the, but I always stay and I always have a great time. It's amazing. But it's 250 cars, give or take another hundred, probably. I don't know. I mean, it, I, I looked it up and it's, it's fewer cars than you think because it looks like 400 cars on a flat field. It's beautiful, right? It's, a, but it's a golf course 
with the water behind it and it's stunning but it, there's so many cars that it becomes a parking lot and you can't see all of them you can't pay attention to all of them unlike you i haven't driven all these cars and wasn't there when they were created in the 1800s um so it's just so overwhelming that it just becomes full overload yeah and then meaningless and they're no longer special and then there are 10,000 people and yes. they're fucking kids there yes. and so it's pandemonium chaos and not in a good way the best part about the concord elegance is getting up for dawn patrol which is something sort of haggerty sort of half invented um, or at least capitalized on people get up at five in they the morning t- they formalized it they formalized yeah. it you get up at five o'clock in the morning you get to watch the cars drive onto the show field yeah. so now you get to hear them run there used to be the tour where there still is but the tour used to be go up a big hill and you get to hear these cars screaming up the hill and trying to stop at the bottom of the hill and hitting each other and backing down the hill because they couldn't make it up and the clutch failed there was all kinds of drama they reduced this to like a parade lap of flat roads last year so yeah um so the concord itself is like the low light that's the my least favorite part of monterey car week mm. villa desta is the op oh oh hold on and then a couple years ago I decided I was going to boycott everything and kill everyone and move on with my life because there was a Kia tent. So what had previously been Spiker, Spiker, all these car companies have displays um, all over. They're everywhere. And I drove in and I saw a Kia, the power to surprise, with a bunch of Optimas and other shit on the on the lawn. And I was really pissed off. And it's not that I'm classist and elitist and... Okay, it's not that I'm that classist or that at least I'm, I'm white trash. It's fine. Know your fucking audience, folks. Like Pebble Beach is a billionaire's car show. Everyone spends a million dollars to prepare the cars there. And those cars are the finest automobiles on the planet presented in the finest way possible at one of the most beautiful places in the world. No one there showed up in their own Kia. And none of the owners of those cars or the people who come to see them are buying Kias. I love Kias, especially now. Back then, certainly not. Um, it was not appropriate. Rolls-Royce had a house. Bentley had a house. Aston Martin had a house. Ferrari had a house. That was bad Casa. enough. Casa. And that, that was bad enough. It was a little bit too commercial. But when Kia showed up, I'm like, this is, everyone has sold out. This is too much. Um, so you're bombarded with marketing from every company. You know, the second step after Ferrari and everyone was the, you know, the sort of suit up made, pseudo made up luxury brands like Lexus and Acura and Infinity had tents. Sorry, they just, they were plucked out of, you know, a marketing book um, and they don't have heritage. And this is, this is a whole week about heritage. I'm sorry. Lexus now is starting to have heritage. It's been around since 1986, but 10 years ago, it was a fucking 15 year old made up car brand by Toyota. Um, and so I had a problem with this commercialness of it all. Press mm. releases, pr- press trips for media, new model launches new model being launches. Occur- yeah. occurring there. Sure. It was just it lost the sense of what the, the show is about, which is celebrating genuinely rare, special old cars. Not necessarily expensive, although annoyingly most of the cars are expensive, and even more annoyingly most of the people there are rich. So there's that. But it just became too commercial. Villa d'Este has not seemed to suffer from any of that shit, which is really good. Mm-hmm. So uh, BMW Classic bought it or owned, runs it or sponsors it, whatever. It's very heavily done by BMW Classic, but you're not bombarded with BMW stuff. Um, there was a display of all the M cars, all the, you know, the lineup of M2, M4, M5, and then two other ones. 
Oh, there was an M3 touring there on their lineup. Oh, yeah. Although I saw it on the yellow. street in uh, when I was there, just in being used. I by mean, a it's citizen. the size of a house, but it's, you know, and it's got the buck teeth, but it's, um, it's a fucking wagon. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So the way the whole process goes is that on Thursday, which I missed due to flights, um, there's a tour and people get in these old cars and they drove to Monza and drove around the racetrack, which mm. is pretty fucking cool. I missed it, which is pretty not cool. Um, and Presumably with police escort, knowing what pl- I know about was, Italians. Yes, it was a police escort and they did not drive very quickly, whatever. And the weather was beautiful. Friday was tech day. Um, Saturday is the show, is the actual concourse, concorso. And then on Sunday, the concourse happens again and it's open to the public. Um, and that's the, the most important part. First of all, there are 48 cars or 50 cars, something like that-ish, 50-ish cars versus... I think Amelia is 250 and I think Pebble's actually more like 400. Um, it, so you have a manageable amount of cars that you can spend a reasonable amount of time with. Anything you're curious about, you can spend time with. I got a, a, a copy of the program. In advance, I was there with BMW Classic. I got it, so I studied, read the whole thing on the plane. And so I knew, for example, that the Ford GT there is that was there was, for example, the only car that's ever won two, two Le Mans races ever in the history of the world. Um, you, of course, knew the car. You're like, I know that serial number. Boop, 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 boop. Um, and so every one of the cars was deeply, truly special, and you got to spend time with it. Um, and then Saturday, because tickets are like some fucking outrageous, like 3,500 euro or some, some, I don't know what they were. I was there to cover the event, so I was there with you know a peasant pass. But um, You mean press. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there were maybe a couple hundred people, mm-hmm. and um, Villa Destas, unbelievable the grounds are just absolutely gorgeous but it's not a big field yeah it's little vignettes and the way it was organized very much the way that what art cervantes does for radwood which is genius when he gets a location like that you have different classes that are organized in different ways and so you'll have a class of three cars and they're off on a little pavilion by themselves and those are those three and then the racing cars are on another little pavilion they're arranged in a circle and then the pre-war stuff i mean it's just sort of very much curated it's yeah it's curated to be consumable yeah and so you can walk around in 45 minutes and have seen all the cars. And then I spent the day going back and just talking to the owners because there are so few people there that you, I walked over to Alois Roof and hung out with him and his wife and his daughter and they're super cool. And he told me the whole story of his car that was there, which is possibly the oldest 911 in existence, even though it's actually a 901. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's owned it since 1968. Mm-hmm. Um, really? What color was it? Blue. Um, it was one of the show cars, the original show cars. Um, uh, and they didn't know this. His dad bought him the car when he was 18 uh, in 1968. Had no motor in it. And he put a four-cylinder in it because he didn't want his kid to kill himself. He didn't want an 18-year-old to kill himself in, he killed, he killed himself in a Porsche. So he put a four-cylinder in and said, here, have at it. And it was off the road for many years I, without further explanation from Mr. Roof. Um, and I'm like, holy shit, it survived an 18-year-old. He's like, mm, well. It was off the road for some time. Yeah. Um, While we were looking for all of the pieces. Right, exactly. But this is something you can't do at Pebble because Pebble, every car is surrounded by 50 people. You can barely even see them. There, you know, there's just kids and, and noise and craziness everywhere. Um, but that, I, I would be upset if Saturday happened and only the people who could afford a 3,500 euro ticket and who got in on time before the cutoff got a ticket. Sunday, all of the cars moved to Villa Erba, which is an, a villa one basically one town down south on the lake, um, which has vast open fields. 
all the cars move there and that's open to the public. Mm -hmm. So if you really want to spend time with the cars and the owners and really look at them and watch the judges inspect the cars and stuff like that, you can. And then everyone gets to come and see the cars and mob them. But because the fields were so big and there was so much room, there was not this sense of claustrophobia that Pebble gets you. There was no tent for any other car manufacturer. BMW certainly didn't have one either. It's just there to celebrate the old cars. There's concessions. There was a you know a burger place that had a cacio e pepper burger. <laughs> of course I ate. That was amazing. Uh, cacio e pepper is a Romano uh, yes, and, and pepper. And pasta, pasta water. <laughs> yeah, but this was, they made like a cacio e pepper sauce. And think about it as cheeseburger with Romano on it. It was fucking delicious. Um, but that was it. No commercial anything. And then they had a bunch of displays of old BMWs um, off to the side. Of course, it is BMW's event. Um, and they had that touring concept that was on the lawn that was oh the z4 or whatever z4 it's bmw concept coupe touring or something what is it from the a pillar ford oh it's 100 z4 yeah yeah it's a z4 it's, it's a new clown shoe yeah um but not as dorky looking i think it's more beautiful i, I look so i got a lot of shit from comments um from, from commenters saying oh you're totally wrong it's a proportional disaster it's not it does look it's dorky Right, it's supposed to be dorky Z3 coupe, but it's not was, as dorky as a Z3. No, or and or even the Z4, the first, yeah. the, the Z4. It is a spectacularly gorgeous, elegant, long, low, wide shooting brake that will be on a lawn at a Concours in fifty years. No question about it. It's that beautiful. Do you think they will make more than one? I thought so because it looks so production ready, uh, but uh, I was told not. Um, they had this was not a production intent. This was Adrian von Hoydunk did a sketch. They built one, and here it is. And I don't think they realized that it was going to blow up the internet. Mm. And I think that's a perfect illustration a, of yes. how lost BMW. Is. I was just going to say that exactly that they do this one sort of thing that happened upon brilliance for once from BMW recently, and then they're like, oh yeah, yeah no, we can't do that. So what I sell that more offensively, actually, what I heard is that they're they're considering doing a very small production run of like 50 cars at a, you know, 200 to 250 thousand dollar price point to which I say, stop it. You are not fucking Bentley. You are not Lamborghini. You are not a low volume automaker. You're trying to make minivans and everything for everyone effectively. These SUVs for everyone else know who you are. But <laughs> asking BMW to know who and what it is and what it's good at is just the biggest joke in the world. Um, you know, the fact that they were like, oh, now we'll be an exclusive coach builder. We'll just build 50 of these for a quarter million dollars. Fuck you. You're BMW peasant. That was at a Concours. I can talk like that now. So, um, I mean, yes, they should put it in production, do what they did with the Z3 coupe. The problem the is they didn't plan it to begin with. And mm -hmm. so they have no engineering behind that car. It's just a one-off. Um, and if they were to do it, they would have to start from scratch right now. And we're probably nearing the end of the Z4's run. Yeah. So if anything, like maybe they'll take it as a lesson for the subsequent generation if they even decide they want to continue to make cars the way that Ford did, which is like, oh, and we're only going to make SUVs from now on. I mean, yeah. I would not put it past BMW and all of their infinite idiocy these days to do the same thing that Ford did, which is say, we're going to discontinue all cars and only make SUVs. And Well, and so far, so I was just told 65% of BMWs sold in North America are SUVs, mm -hmm. but they're production constrained, so it would be higher. So um, that's, you know, that's, it's both, it's, first of all, it's sad, right? I mean, look, we don't love SUVs anyway, but if that's what the buying market wants, 
I guess it would be foolhardy not to follow. But is that what the buying public? Yeah, I guess it is. It's what they say they want. It's yeah, people is br- people are brainwashed. We talked about this on the Range Rover episode about why uh, the public is sort of brainwashed into wanting this. Yeah, there's, first of all, there are a, a, a huge number of economic reasons why SUVs make more sense, and they all come down to legislation and what we what we prioritize uh, on the government level. But the is, coup really is that there's a desirability delta. You know, there's still regular citizens out there who are like, I'm going to treat myself and do something adventurous and get an SUV instead of a car in the future. Like that mentality. Does that exist is, anymore? I think so. Yeah. I mean, for among old people, yeah, sure. People who've driven cars their whole life, and they're like, I'm an adventurer. I got an SUV because I, think I have an adventurous like, lifestyle. No, I think it's more like I'm old and the age point is higher and I can slide my old ass directly onto the seat rather than sitting down in. There are, I hate to say it, but there are benefits having an SUV. I mean, you know, a higher ride height means it affords better visibility. You're further from the from the road surface, so the visual speed is reduced. Your visibility is better. There's a bunch of reasons why people like them. And, of course, they're wagons. Everyone says they hate wagons, but they're like, oh, my hatchback is so usable. Yep. Um, All that's true. Um, so what were some of the specific vehicle highlights from, do we want to talk about that? Is yeah, that too sure. inane? No. From I mean, uh, Villa d'Este? But I think, that, I think that's actually, I'm glad you asked that, because the, this this show wasn't just about pre-war brass, you know, like, you know, Mercedes 54K, 40K special roadsters, which are the most amazing thing in the world, but they don't mean anything to you and you and me. Um, apparently <clears> last year, okay, two. they don't, I'm going to look directly at camera. So Paolo, please cut to the, that camera. And something like a Mercedes 540K special roadster doesn't appeal to me or you. It does appeal to him because he was there. He had one when he was in his thirties. Yes. Back um, when you could afford them. I miss those days. <laughs> um, the apparently like last year they had a 90s supercar class like mm. i really loved the mix of cars there were certainly pre really early stuff i mean there's nothing like tuck, 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 you know like you know, yes, steam yes. powered shit but um so i sort of gloss over the really the 20s and 30s stuff because i just they don't mean anything to me um my favorite car there was a hold on i gotta remember the name um is dara is dara I mean, is there a spider? Yeah. Did you know about this thing? Yeah, I didn't realize they made one with a four-cylinder. I, most of the ones that you see that look like that have M117s in them. The Imperator 108i, if I remember correctly. And that one... Wasn't it, a 112i? Because 112i was a Commendatore. Oh, okay. Which is the one that they made one, but actually two of. There's a white one and a silver one. And the, the silver one is in the U.S. now. That one has a 928 gearbox and headlights transaxle dogleg and then a m120 v12 the six liter v12 for mercedes holy shit that's what's in the commendatore oh and but but that was their follow-up to the 108i which was the one that had the m117 v8 in it so according to the 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 book for the judges that i read there was a they originally had gti motors in them and i didn't so yeah this must be before this part of the four-cylinder part i had actually never looked at or knew so i I couldn't find anything on wikipedia which we all know is the you know the be all and end all of information but apparently they started out with a gti motor this one was a 2316 so cosworth 190 2.316 engine um mounted in the middle longitudinally and the guy never opened the hood so um, who knows what the hell was in it but he said there was an evo motor in it, like a 2316 i thought i saw evo. a picture of the valve cover somewhere maybe on someone's coverage someplace on the internet i saw the valve cover okay it looks there like is it says mercedes-benz in what looks like the same font and design as what is on the valve cover the motor but that's just a placard on that's on the thing cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the thing i was standing there interviewing um 
Helmut Case, who's the head of BMW Classic, super nice guy, like actually normally German executives are a little bit stiff. Uh, and he had a good sense of humor or whatever. And I heard the thing start and I'm like, it's a Cosworth. I immediately recognized the 2316 sound, but it wasn't. And um, this thing is just batshit looking. Yeah. So apparently it's 175 horsepower, I don't or 180 PS or something. So it's reduced from the output of the. Maybe it has a catalytic converter. Because the catalytic converter ones... This one didn't sound like it had a cat. It was pretty spicy. I mean, all these numbers are just literally yeah, numbers yeah. on a piece of paper. True. Who knows? But either way, um, dog leg, rear drive, mid-engine. I don't know if there's such going doors or what. I don't know what the hell to call them. Yeah, they're they're hinged at the front edge because it has no roof, but mm-hmm. they're hinged in the monocoque and up... They're scissor doors, effectively. I guess they're scissors, yeah. yeah. More than anything else. They're scissor doors, um, And no roof. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing is just wild to look at. I yeah. love the huge Mercedes, quote unquote, grill. And like, you know, there's like an air intake with a big Mercedes symbol in the back. Taillights, and the taillights are from like a 107 or something like look that. 126. I don't know. They're Mercedes. I mean, it's just. Obviously Mercedes. Right. The wheels are 16s. Um, I think the wheels are 16. So they're they're probably, they can't be 129 wheels. It predated 129. I guess 126 wheels. Whatever it is. It's just clearly a Mercedes except for everything on the inside. Yeah. Except for the body. And probably um, the gauges are Mercedes too. No. The, no? the tachometer. Uh, a lot of times those cars have uh, Mercedes gauges. Interestingly, the, the, the tachometer. Um, it was like a central mount attack and all the other gauges were off to the right. I have a picture of it that I'll put an insert in. But um, it looked like a, a 911 tack, including the little like red stripe that's at from 64 to 6600 and that's it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the hell Cosworth Motor was only revving to 60. Maybe it was a cat car. Maybe that's why. Hold on. You're right. Because they were 164 horsepower, which would be 170 PS. Mystery solved Mysteries. in real time. Okay. Uh, um, and the and they co- only rubbed 6,500. So, ta-da. Um, but yeah, not a Mercedes, anything else in the interior. Um, yeah, and just. the whole thing has a sort of like uh, an 80s-ification of a 1950s Mercedes race car. It's yeah. a sort of silver low-slung thing with no roof. It looks like yeah. if you had basically taken a 300 SLR from the 50s and reinterpreted it using 80s languages it also almost looks c111-ish yeah definitely um, i'm sure like aesthetically i mean of course there was for a long time rumors when the c111 and c112 came out about like is this going to be a production car mm. this would be so freaking mm. cool and so i think at some point you know is dara's like would you guys just fucking stop with these concept mm. cars that you're not going to put in production fucking we'll do it mm-hmm. uh, and i think that was probably part of the underlying like inspiration i think the guy behind his era worked on the the mercedes concepts mm-hmm. if i remember correctly he also worked at porsche design uh for a while um do you know what is there where the name is there came from no it's a it's what is it what is it called when you take a bunch of words and you take the first letter of each one and you make a oh not an anagram a um australopithecus nope um, um, God, I, we know this word when we're not being recorded, but of course it's... Uh, this is really annoying. <laughs> I need more coffee. Coffee, I need more coffee. Anyway, it is um, a thing, a word that can say... It was Ingenieur Bureau, Engineering Office for Design, Development, and Sport, or Racing, or something, is Dera, whatever. Oh, now I got to look this up, um, which I always hate pulling up my phone to, to do this stuff. Uh, Wiki is I-S-D-E-R-A. It was um, Ingenieur Bureau... So engineering office for styling, styling, design, and racing. I-S-D-E-R-A. Racing? Racing. That's not how you say that in German. Ingenieurbüro for styling, styling, design, and racing. Yeah. <laughs> this is what, what do you want me to do? It should be, re, it should be Rennes. 
Should Rennen, be. yeah. Or maybe that's what it is. Styling, design und Rennen. Entweder oder, doesn't matter, either way. Um, yeah, so it's like, is Dara such a great sounding name? But of course it's German, so it's like an Excel spreadsheet. Yes. Cough that out one day. Um, that, well, that car was spec fucking tacular. I would, own, I would own that thing just because it was just so neat. Um, I'm trying to think what else was in that class. Oh my God, that Citroën. I oh, there was an SM uh, concept Espace. car. Yes. It's called Espace. It was the 19... 19- was it built by Chaperon or was it built by someone else? It was built by someone who did this once. I think, I don't remember if it was Chaperon. All I know is it was a show car at 1970 or 71 or like 90 something. I don't know what year it was. It was at some point it was a show car somewhere. Um, but the it's a T-top, but they, rather than just removable T-tops, they're electrically adjustable. And mm. they're, what are those things called? Like, um, they're lamellen in German. I don't know what things that like blinds where they blinds. fold on top yeah, of Venetian other. blinds yeah but this is not Venice it was French um but the, you were in Italy but not in but Venice but not in Venice so <laughs> Milanese blinds um, um yeah they uh, the whole thing is just spectacular looking and that interior the poor guy uh, the owner was pretty pissed on Sunday when I talked to him he's like I hope I didn't ruin this interior because the interior is this crazy green furry cloth stuff including on the steering wheel and it got soaked because it rained all day on saturday and so while the judges were looking at the car first of all the car's not waterproof he told everyone that so he had to cover it at any time when it was pouring um but the interior got soaked he had to open it all up but it all worked it was really cool mm. um that's very neat yeah that that car that interior as if was an sm wasn't psychedelic enough already yeah, yeah t-topped with a uh, fuzzy espace. interior i love the espace though and the only time you know i've never i didn't know that car existed uh, that was in a class. There was a third car in its class. I don't remember. These are like sort of esoteric, weird concepts, basically. Yeah. Uh, these were. This was a uh, a, uh, a category of cars that were the unusual convertibles. It was like mm. an open air, a different way. Um, of course, the the big, the ones that were really the most interesting, I think, to most people, were the racing cars. Sure. So because they a, had really killer examples of like. Well, fuck that. They had the best sounds. I mean, yeah. I made a whole series of reels that I'm shitting out slowly as, as time allows of the noises these things made oh mm-hmm. my god <laughs> all right so for gt this car won them all twice um you know there's some story behind it right you know the whole jackie x story oh no that's the Porsche. that's one. the portion one there's this one was somebody ran it and whatever the fuck happened whatever <laughs> something happened it was amazing uh i'm too jet lagged <laughs> to know or to remember the but the sound that that thing made when it started up was i mean that would be It does not sound like a Cobra or a 427 normally. It doesn't have that American sort of burble. It, it, because of the design of the headers, uh, they end up sounding almost like cross planes. Yeah. It's a very unique noise. It was violent. Mm-hmm. Violent. I mean, you know, you just hear, you know, the, it died at one point and then didn't want to restart. Uh, probably just flooded from these cars are not meant to sit in idle and they you these these cars are moved around there's nothing i like about villa they're moved around a lot so they're driving themselves to different places all the time and so they're all fouling plugs and they're pissed off and miserable yeah these poor race cars <laughs> um but you know the best part about that is when they do start you got to clear their throats and so you get some big revs yeah. i mean it's like being in cars and coffee but instead of the mustangs and dodge chargers doing it it's fucking ford gt40s yes so it died at one point and i have the video of it restarting 
Um, and it's, you know, And everyone just jumps when the yes. thing fucking starts. Yes. It blew out the mic on the iPhone. I've never heard anything actually blow the mic out. Um, total distortion. Just yeah. absolute. My ears rang for two days after that. Uh, there was a Ferrari BBL, 512 BBLM. Yes. Right. When they ran those cars at uh, the mall. <gasps> oh my God. The fucking sound. That was another. That, that guy started that car at Tech. And so you're in at the tech on Friday, you're in this little courtyard. It's very small, very narrow where the, where the stage is maybe, I don't know, 40 feet wide or something. And there's a stage and the guy pulls the thing on the stage and I missed when they pulled it up. And then I'm looking like, that's a bizarre looking front end. Apparently there's only one of them with that front end on it. Not particularly beautiful. It's got this red livery with, um, with little bubbles all over it and whatever. And he started it and the world stopped. I mean, Every, it was so cool to see an entire, everyone was just kind of hanging out, doing their things, walking around. And when that thing started, everyone stopped moving. It was just, Bleh. yeah. He used his What the fuck is that? And that was another one where the, the owner or driver or minder, whoever was moving around, was not afraid of judicious use of revs and blips and throttle. And so it's fucking the iPhone captured none of that magic. So mm -hmm. it was this deep bass insanity. It's flat 12. Well, technically 180 degree V12 with if you've ever been to Formula One race with the old naturally aspirated V10s and V8s, how the cameras on TV, you always used to pick up the, but missed out this bellowing bass. Just, uh, you know, that was the craziest thing when I saw those cars. This was the opposite. So the camera, the iPhone picked up this, but missed the, that was on top of it. So it was this multi-layered audio sound. Oh my fucking God. Don't care about this car's provenance. Don't care about its racing history. I just want to hear it rev. And the motherfucker started it when he came up to the main stage to win his class award or whatever he got. He starts it when Simon Kitston's like, right in the middle of a very well-spoken sentence sounding really fat. <laughs> and he just stops. And the thing revs and he moves out. And once he's out of frame on my iPhone, you hear him just smacking the rev limiter. It was nuts. Like echoed, it literally echoed throughout the, the whole lake. You heard it come back. Spectacular. Yep, that's what uh, why we like old cars, oh because God. a modern car will never do that. Even, uh, I mean, even it puts a McLaren F1 to shame. Yeah, I can't imagine. I don't know. I don't know how the fuck that thing sounded that good. Yeah. Um, there were, there were, there was a, the, the joke was David McNeil was there and is the guy who owns WeatherTech. He was there. I think I'm pretty sure it was his with his 250 GTO silver. Like the car is just gorgeous. And at one point he goes to start it to move it in, to go on the little parade thing to get up on stage. And I have a recording of it. You barely hear it. 
Yeah. You just hear. But in most, but in most, most contexts, it sounds pretty spicy. Yeah. It, well, the crazy thing was that he pulled up to the tent and or pulled up as he was pulling up to uh, be interviewed and he gave it a good, big, huge rev and holy shit, the induction noise, mm -hmm. but the exhaust was super quiet. <laughs> Which contrasted tremendously to the 250 Testarossa that was there. Which is the same motor, right? Um, but Matt's got the the induction pipes that stick up through the hood um but that was all exhaust noise that was just friggin insane that's the difference between a sports car and a gt car because those cars would have been when they were racing they weren't exactly contemporaries mm -hmm. but during that period you'd run sports cars and that's basically what we now consider a prototype and that's what the testarossa is running as and the clip roofed cars like a tdf the swb and the gto would be running gt so they have roofs and luggage space and they're more civilized even a GTO. So yeah. they're, are they that quiet? I was wondering if he I mean, it depends. made it quieter. It depends on the car. I mean, you, now, of course, everybody has altered them for various purposes over the years and in search of power and whatever. Mm -hmm. But originally, like, that's more consistent with the spirit of the, mm -hmm. you know, GT. Like, I've driven a number of SWBs, which is the predecessor of the GTO, and they're all different. It just depends on how that particular car is set up. And they did make street versions of the SWB, mm -hmm. too. So those ones will be quieter. And if it's been restored for someone who intends to use it you know now people use them for like a multi-day event like the tour auto yeah. you are not going to want it to be that fully uh, that's why jesus made ear earplugs yeah. yeah no i mean yeah we got one in once that had earplugs in the door pocket and i was like huh wonder what these are for mm -hmm. i mean i kind of knew and then i started it up and i was like fuck yeah like no carpets or anything the thing was just really raucous yeah no it was really cool yeah, I loved the mix of cars. I loved the fact that the event is so small. It rained the, the whole time, basically. The Sunday when everyone At least it was wasn't as much as an Emilia Romagna. Oh well, yeah, that was it. That wasn't that far away. Where I know, eight right. people died from. I that was the last I saw it was from flooding. I mean, it was there was torrential rain. Yeah. Um, on the last day that I was there on Sunday, all the cars, almost all the cars, were still at Villa Erba for the for the event, and the sun came out, and I just was like. Oh, that's what they mean when they're like, this is the most beautiful place in the world. Holy shit. Oh, is this shit. your first time at Lake Como? Yeah. Oh. Never been there before. Yeah, um, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows about it. That's my least favorite thing. It's globally known. There are other lakes, which I shall not name because I do not want other people to find out about them you that think, I prefer <laughs> uh, because they're less crowded. Yeah. Um, the, the thing is, there was no, what was missing from the whole weekend was the parking lot scenes, right? Yeah. So because Monterey Car Week is so spread out and there are so many different events, everyone brings their old car and drives it around. There were certainly cool old cars there, um, but there, you know, I probably took five pictures of street parked cars, um, if if even that. And there weren't even street parked. It was sort of on the on the villa grounds. There was mm -hmm. like there was, for example, GR Yaris that I took a picture of. Yeah. Um, cool. There was a 2002 converted to electricity, 2002 TE, uh, uh. As, they, as it was badged, which we'd never know was from it looking at it. Done by uh, BMW or it's uh, a company called. Econs, I, Icons with an E, 
Um, the owner of the company was super cool. Came mm-hmm. right over and just was like, hey, let me show you this. What do you want to do with it? I'm like, yeah, ship it over to the US and I'll do, I would love to do something with it. Uh, it's done together with BMW Classic. So Classic does the physical restoration and all the body work and everything else. Um, and then they do their, their electric conversion. Um, and I th- I'm pretty sure it was a Tesla Model 3 rear motor in it. Uh, with BMW i3 electronics, uh, with BMW i3 battery and then Bosch and Siemens electronics. Um, spectacularly well integrated. Um, from the outside, you cannot see, other than the little badge, which was done really well, um, and the lack of exhaust pipe. There's nothing telling you that it's electric. Um, and Is this gauges, for all those people who live in Europe who can't drive anything in the city and they sort of chase you out of the city center if you're driving something that's not electric? I, I don't know. He did say that most of their clients were people who are big collectors who had um, kids who don't drive stick, which <laughs> I call child abuse. I mean, if you have, you're a car collector and your kids can't drive a stick, you have failed as a parent. That's Sorry. true. I that's mean, true. No, that's uh, initially controversial, but actually on a closer examination, not. <laughs> I, mean, I agree. <laughs> it's just kind of sad. Like your kids can't drive stick. Come on. That's not cool. And especially if you're a car, like you, you're you a major car collector. And yes. I assume people who are buying these cars are major car collectors. Um, well, how much do they cost? 170 grand, which, okay, is a lot of money. So 170,000 euros. That's a lot for 2002. But the, the one that was there was, I think, 34,000 kilometers. Original paint. Oh, they cut up a car like that? I believe it was an automatic. One of them that they did was an automatic, but it was a not, they will not cut up a TII. They won't cut up any special cars, but it's done so, look, I have mixed feelings on this because my idea is cars that don't exist for the, for their engine can be converted to electricity and I'm not going to bother you, right? Something I agree like with that. Something like a Citroen DS yes. is a perfect candidate for yeah. an electric conversion. I agree with that because it's such an uninspiring part of the experience rover perfect like an early like a defender perfect for electric because the engine's terrible right yes um a 2002 that engine is not the m10 is m10 yeah not i think it's not a masterpiece no and so that's sort of in the gray area right i think okay a tii they're spicy enough you can really make them rev make power they can sound good but a base 2002 or 1602 or whatever i don't i just don't yeah eh. I agree Fine. with that. So I'm on it's the fence. It's criminal to do it to yeah certain cars. Like a DeLorean is a perfect another electric conversion, right? That yeah, because was... the PRV is a boat anchor, but less useful. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, um, but I, I thought that was really neat. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's not. I mean, there's this ongoing battle about how do these cars continue to cross the chasm and become relevant. You know, weird. Oh yeah, that's what I was starting to say. Is that he, this guy was saying a lot of. Like we, we're not used to this in the U.S., but in Europe, it is you are really become it is a problem to drive an old gas-powered car. Whereas ten years ago, you drive an old Ferrari or drive something, everyone was celebrating you, and that's the way it is here, right? We see a you know a, a '60s Mustang bellowing smoke, and it's fun, it's cool. Look at that. Apparently, that's just not okay anymore anywhere in Europe, and so they're they're increasingly battling against that. So how do you keep the classic car experience? but get allowed into city centers, number one, um, or not piss people off. And that's... Now the American way is like, fuck them, they're not me. But I mean, look, here's the thing. I'm not commuting in any of my old cars, right? I'm not putting gratuitous miles to go to the grocery store. I'm doing that in an electric vehicle. Fuck off and leave me alone when I want to start my uncatalyzed Ferrari, right? That's just my selfishness. And it's the people who are driving 50,000, 60,000 miles a year in their Prius who think they're doing better for the environment. Shut up, buy an electric car. Leave more gas for me to burn yes. and get 10 miles per gallon. But I, I really think there there will be a mix of, you know, 
of different kinds of fuels going forward. And there's a place for hydrogen fuel cell. That Hyundai concept N74 was there. Oh, the 80s looking one? Which is hilarious because it was done. It was a 1974 pony concept, which is Jajaro, which of course is a Scirocco, which is also a... Everything the ace of he spades. Ace. He did one friggin' car shape and, and then, and then he used it for 15 so or 20 Suzu, years Suzu piazza mark ii Scirocco, it's yes. hyundai pony it's every and i they are putting it in production i heard did i see that somewhere so they're doing something so the n74 concept the, by the way the thing is huge in person oh, really it's i enormous. imagine it would be the size of like a hachiroku or no it's uh, piazza that's a fuel hydrogen fuel cell powered ev then while we were there and i didn't get to see it unfortunately they unveiled the hyundai pony coupe concept which they lost the original the original concept done by Jajaro for Hyundai in 1974 um, that this N74 Vision thing is based on visually um, was lost somewhere it went away so they worked together with Jajaro to recreate the original mm. Pony Coupe at, in its original size and everything so apparently it's tiny like like a Mark One Volkswagen like all the cars were at that point. Um, and that's what they debuted. I did not get to see it in person. Um, but the idea is that they will be now doing some sort of production car based on those looks of one or both or whatever. I mean, I'm all for it. I, as I told the designer of the car, I look at that N74 and my eyes turn to little hearts in the little yellow yeah, emoji yeah, thing because yeah. I'm looking at my Scirocco, right? It's yeah. that same shape that I just have been looking at for so many years and I love. Right, and it's such a stark departure from everything else that everyone else is doing. You know, there's so many unfortunate looking, unpleasant cars. I mean, you look at what BMW, I mean, I think Honda is doing a great job with this. Ugh. I mean, the Ionic 5, Stunning. for example, although the EV6, Which is I think a Jajaro ripoff. I mean, that is a ripoff. Yeah, Not a ripoff. It is heavily influenced by the aesthetics of, of the original Delta Integrale. Right. Hyundai Pony, which yeah. was done by Jajaro. So they're, yeah. they're ripping off their own history at this point, which is totally fine. So ripping off is not fair. But here's the thing. Hyundai's having fun. I met yes. Luke Donkervolka, by the way, uh. who's Hyundai's bot, a design chief. He watched watches the show, which I was shocked. This show? Right, thank you. He came over to me and was like, Jason, I don't know. I've, I know his work, obviously. Everyone, all of you know his work. Yeah, I mean, he, um, for example, did the Murcielago. And everything else that came out of Lamborghini during that period Um, with Gallardo. He's incredibly talented designer. And he walks over and he's like, hi, Jason, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, hey, I was listening to the podcast on the the 9-11 douchebag episode. He didn't use it, whatever. He was like the 9-11 weenies episode. And I'm like, oh, and he's like, oh, by the way, I'm Luke Donkervolk. I was like, (laughs) dead on the ground. Um, And I'm like, oh, shit. What did I say? And he was, he laughed. He was great. He was like, actually, I thought you were pretty kind. Um, because the reality is I put on this front, but I do like 9-11s. Um, I just don't want In to In spite it. of themselves, though, not because of themselves. I, I like them because they're great. I don't want to tell everyone I like them because they're the obvious choice and that's boring. And I want people to be miserable because miserable loves, misery loves company. Um, but... Uh, Nobody's listening to you anyway because those cars are so... There's so much community and so many people who are into those cars now. Exactly. So it's not... Which like, is the problem. Fair enough. Uh, but anyway, he was what he was saying, I congratulated him on, you know, Hyundai, Hyundai slash Genesis design. Like, right, it's just unbelievable what this company's doing. And he's like, look, we're having fun. And I'm like, you know, that's it. If you look at everything in Hyundai, Kia, and Genesis's lineups, like right now, they're having a good time. Yeah. And it's obvious from the outside. BMW is running scared, for example. Like that coupe concept touring thing is spectacular. They're not building it. The stuff that they are building, the M2s and whatever, they are... And all of the IXs, my God. 
The IX? Well, I mean, if we're going to talk about it, I'm going to talk about the XM. Uh, That's what you which just Which is a Citroen. No. No, no, I know this thing outside yeah, is an thing. XM, okay. but XM to me, when you say XM, you're like, oh, exciting. Oh, Citroen, X- cool, Citroen XM. wedgy, big five-door hatchback. Okay, so you just drove that XM. Yes. Um, I have that only until tomorrow, so I got to go hurry up and take pictures of it so I can do a commissive verdict of it. Uh, and uh, so let's have a Derek verdict or a hyphen ver- verdict. It's just... This, the problem is I don't interact with modern cars enough to have reference points for what is and isn't good. My only reference points are old cars. And compared to old cars, it's just the the user experience and all of the shit in there is so overwhelming and inscrutable. And then, you know, the first thing I noticed, which was just pulling out of the parking lot here, is that the ride quality is quite poor. I was like, this feels like it's on 30-inch wheels. Like, how is this supposed to be a luxury vehicle? Uh, it's fast. It makes good noises. It moves in a way that is really impressive for how heavy it is i mean it certainly puts a 1990s range rover to shame which it should do dynamically dynamically yes but ultimately like it's so hideous i mean it's just such a visual i'm gonna say something really shocking i do like it i know like is a strong word in all black because this car is all black exterior because there are two tones normally and what are they? It's fucking weird looking in all black with blacked out lights, blacked everything out. The only no BMW badges on it, except for on the, window, on the window, which looks like a sticker. It, I, th- in I a think low it's rent like sort of a way. I don't even know. Yeah. It doesn't look good. The thing looks sinister as fuck. Yeah. But sinister it, is not good. I, you know what? People on the road hate you when you drive that car. How does I, that manifest? It, they, I got fingers. Okay, I wasn't exactly driving like a nun. So they hate you. They don't hate the car. No, but the thing is you can drive like a dick in like a Prius and no one really says anything. I got honked at by a bunch of people. Granted, I probably scared the shit out of them because that thing does move in ways that it shouldn't. And I went across the entire bridge at one point at 10 miles an hour under the speed limit in a traffic jam. And I could see what was happening was there was a, in the right lane, it was only down, it was down to two lanes in this direction. There was a tractor trailer in the right lane. And then there was an idiot in the hell was he in a Mustang, something, something that shouldn't have been going so slow pacing him. And they both kept slowing down more and more and more because the truck barely fit in his lane. And the guy in the, the Mustang was a moron and just was scared and slowing down, but never got, out of next to him. So we wound up coming to a stop at some point on the bridge behind him because traffic was backing up. It was this complete clusterfuck and I got him. I finally passed enough people to get by him and he was in the left lane doing 41 in a 55 up the hill and I flew up on him going at least 55. Um, and <laughs> At least 55. At maybe 56. This oh. is the episode after I bitch about the guy in the Mustang. But yeah, no, I mean going very quickly, not. 160 miles an hour on the shoulder, but, um, and I flew up on him, flashing high beams at him. And he just gave me the finger and kept pacing the guy. And he just kept slowing down and I got him. I finally got around him, but he gave, he gave me the finger and honked and two other cars gave me the finger and honked when I floored it around him. Um, and then by the way, that was the best thing you get around him and there was literally no one for two miles in front, front. but people just, you see their reactions to that car. It's mm. so big and it's so brass and it, uh, brash and in your face that it pisses people the fuck off and they just want to break check you. I am pissed like off by it. Just looking at it. I look my, you identify the biggest problem to me, which is the UX. I drive eight. Is that the, the UX and it's just not usable it's you can sort of if you need to figure things out but it's dangerous and it's the amount of time that you have to spend with your eyes off the road um 
And the biggest fail is the ride quality. And, and the worst part is you probably didn't drive it long enough to no, notice this. 22 inch wheels. So they're big, but they're not, you know. I mean, also with the modern technology, I mean, you drive a GT3 now and it has, I don't know, similar size yeah. wheels and rubber band tires and it and rides fine. like a cloud. This thing, not only do you feel speaking. every pavement strip, things that you don't, you genuinely, and I don't mean to exaggerate here, but things you don't even feel in other cars are, are, are intrusive. But it, every one is like a small baseball bat hit your face i mean and they're accompanied with this booming uh booming um like a bass note boom 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 boom, boom. through the chassis so so through the chassis as you're driving the car is deafeningly loud inside deafeningly over tar strips and stuff like a range rover and i just kept like that's what i kept thinking why would i spend one hundred and seventy thousand (gasps) dollars? yeah it's that expensive no it is 600 ish horsepower whatever who cares Oh, and it is it, the interior smells delightful. It smells so good. My C forty three interior smells better, and I paid like thirteen thousand dollars for that. So for only another hundred fifty something thousand dollars, you too. Wait, I, that thing is a hundred and seventy thousand dollars. Yeah. If you asked me how much it should cost based on my interaction with it, knowing what things cost now and how much that is, I would have been like, I don't know, one hundred five. They priced it about fifty, fifty to sixty thousand dollars too high. I don't think you're going to sell all that much. Look, visually, the thing is, holy shit. You, you, it's hard. Like it's it or hate it. Yes. It is one hell of an imposing looking statement. That's not what I want. I want something that I like. I don't want it to be imposing. I want it to be attractive. I don't want something that's, first of all, it's a hybrid, right? So it's, it's a plug-in hybrid. And it did get 35 miles per gallon overall throughout an entire 50-mile trip. Um, but it did use almost the whole battery doing so and then got... <laughs> 35 miles per gallon. Um, so I'm sure it's not overall very efficient once that battery's dead. Um, and once you factor in all the electricity, um, but it's confused. There are times when you're just driving along and you're just kind of genuinely cruising at like 25 miles an hour. And it goes into whatever, when it starts the engine, it goes into whatever gear gets it to between three and 4,000 RPM. And that engine is not quiet. Um, no, I mean, I didn't even know it was powering it, but as soon as I got on it, I was like, this sounds like an M5 with the hot V. Right, with that flat plane crank exhaust note and the cross plane crank mechanical and intake noise. But all of a sudden you're driving along and you're like, what the fuck, what the fuck? Oh, shit. It scared me a couple times, like freaked me out. <laughs> and there are a couple times where we just hold a gear to three, four, five thousand 5,000 RPM and I'm looking down and it's D with one out of three bars. So it's in the least aggressive drive mode. And I'm like, would you please fucking shift? But yeah. I don't know what it was doing. If it was trying to charge the battery. Discom- Discordant. Discordant. There's also, if you try to brake torque it off the line, it does this <laughs> clunk into, I tried to do a launch and it clunks into first so violently that my passenger spilled his coffee. We didn't even move. That's, I don't think I've ever seen this before. Literally didn't move, but there was enough of a clunk that his coffee spilled. He was holding it. He was very upset with Cross. Me. Cross. Um, it's just... It's a confused mission, and that's my problem with it. Is it a luxury car? Okay, then if so, then it it shan't ride like that and had better not be that loud inside. Um, is it a sports car? Okay, then it can't be 6,000 pounds, right? And the, the it's got BMW's typical overdone rear active steer where you feel like you're like you're slipping on ice the whole time. Yeah, it's like being in a shopping cart with four-wheel casters. Yeah, you're, you're in an Ikea <laughs> shopping cart where the back is just fucking all over the place. So... Yeah, does it go around a corner quickly? Of course. Does it accelerate quickly? Sure. But here you're dealing with eight-speed automatic plus an electric motor plus two turbos 
I floored it at one point. I got a yellow light and my passenger heard the kink of the gas pedal going down. And I'm like, uh oh, light turned red. And then I, it fucking thing exploded through the light. So I very much went through a red light and the Tesla Model 3 that was right next to me floored it when the light turned, when it turned yellow. And he was, 30 car lengths across the intersection already slowed back down to 30 miles an hour by the time I blew through the light. I mean, so yeah, it's fast. Yay. I bet you anything, the slowest Model X you could buy would destroy that thing in the real world. In the real world. So in the fuck. So, you know, I hate to keep shitting on BMW, but But stop making shit honorable products. Well, when then they do this and they make them fuck. Like, okay, love it or hate it, that styling is a statement. But that fucking... Touring coupe, fucking oh my god, is that beautiful? Yeah, restrained and elegant and classic proportions. I mean, it's really like an stuff. FF, but for re- regular people. Oh uh, yeah, until they make fifty of them, charge two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and then it's not. Then you'd rather have an FF for half the money. Yes, yeah, they're cheap, aren't they? Uh, One fifty gets you a very good FF now. So you could have a BMW XM Ooh. or. A Ferrari FF and twenty five thousand dollars left over for repairs, which you would immediately use <laughs> weekly. Yeah, yeah. For the, Ooh, the, the power takeoff unit, transmission failures. Whatever. Just then you go back to rear drive, which is how it should have been in the first place. <laughs> okay. I'm sure there's a. I'm sure there's a PTU delete on the car. you just can turn you know program it in? You are now a rear wheel drive FF. You yeah. just have to drive above. I forget what speed they turn the front wheels off, but at some point above a certain speed, it's rear wheel drive yeah. only, and then you're yeah. just as long as you don't go slower than that, then you have a rear wheel drive FF. Perfect. Here's your solution. We have solved the world's problems and saved you some money. Congratulations. Stay tuned for more important money saving tips from the Car Mountain Show. Uh, I think we end there. It doesn't get any better than this. Okay, we'll be back next week. Uh, this was a special holiday episode of the Carmudgeon Show for oh, Memorial yes. Day. Um, but we didn't want to wait talking about the Concorso d'Eleganza Villa d'Este. Did See you I there pronounce? next year, maybe. Seriously, somebody please buy me a ticket. <laughs> like, I'll work. I'll, you know, I'm not, I'm not above being a hoe. I'll put out. I'll work. I did. It's great. It's wonderful. I covered the event. Um, and if you want to see more pictures of everything in all seriousness, I I think I made 180 posts and I knew it was going to be that stories. much. Uh, so I did them as stories. Um, yes. And then I put them in highlight reels, one with oh, 100 good. and whatever. So Super. you can go back to my Instagram. Existing forever. Existing forever on the Instagrams at, at Jason Camisa. Um, go look at them because it was genuinely the most amazing car show in the world. All right. We have to go. I have to go. Peace.